again, to our experience of going to the vegan restaurant, for me, it was a, I'm describing how I'm feeling, like what I'm tasting, not a complaining about it, but okay, so this is different and I'm getting used to it. And it doesn't taste like this other thing that I've, I'm comfortable with that I've had a million times before, right? Like, like a burger. It's not, this doesn't taste like chicken, but it tastes good. It has a good flavor to it. Just because it doesn't taste like chicken doesn't mean that it doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think like at that time that that was something that you were in a place to receive from me. No, I certainly wasn't. And I still am like, but it, it doesn't have to taste exactly like chicken for it to taste like chicken. You know that, right? Just to make sure that's clear. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> if you're going to say it's like chicken, it, I expect it to taste like chicken. Okay, so would it be better if we use the word resembles? I, well, I, I think be, because oh. of all of the things that we just talked about with me being kind of a foodie, you can say, so texture wise, it's similar to, but even <laughs> then I, I would rather just taste it for, I'd rather go in unknown palate cleared than be like, is this going to taste like something? And it tastes different. Okay. You know, it's kind of like when you pick up water, a glass of water, and you're expecting me drinking iced tea, it's fucking gross. Right. Like even though water isn't necessarily gross, it just it's not what you were expecting it to be. I hear you. Okay. So you want to go in with no expectations whatsoever. Yes. I just want to be, I want to taste it for what it is. The opposite of most of what most people want when they're meat eaters and they're eating vegan. I get that. So I get that. So so that makes it's the whole convincing, (laughs) it's the whole convincing part. Like you're like you're not missing out on something by going vegan. So I'm going to try and convince you that this yeah. is, and that is similar to something that you're all that you're used to having. Oh yeah. And, and that is definitely like a route that the vegans come from for sure. And for me, that feels like gaslighting. It feels like you're trying to convince me something that's just not true. And I'm saying, no, this well, is, like, I hear you, but that's a little extreme because for me, the nuggets taste the same. So it in fact does taste like chicken. So I'm not gaslighting you. I am telling you the truth. Right. Like, cause no. that is your, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think we have evolved to a point where I don't feel like you're trying to convince me to go. Well, vegan. yeah, of course, of course. You're not. I, yeah. And, but at first I was feeling like, oh, you could give up burgers. You could give up meat. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I could reduce certainly. And I'm completely open to that. I don't need to have a burger every week. And I don't, I have like a burger a month, but like, I don't need to eat meat every single day and every single night, but, and I can absolutely reduce my intake of really all food, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) I could reduce my intake. And I think we, I absolutely have a consumption problem as a culture of everything we consume everything to excess in this country so mostly meat and junk like it really is mostly meat and junk yeah meat junk media screens oh well all that too yeah yeah we have a consumption problem problem in general that's what you meant not even just food consumption right just (laughs) in general as a society we constantly need stimulation of some sort if i'm bored i'm stuffing my face with something or watching tv issue all this stimulation that we think that we constantly need it's actually so overstimulating and it's causing us so many issues. and it's very unhealthy absolutely oh, man. so and food and food and meat is one of those ways where I could be like absolutely I could reduce consumption but don't try and convince me to go the rest of my life without something because even when I went even when the doctor told me to go paleo and cut out gluten he he looked at me and he was like this is not a forever thing that you have to do. This is a two weeks. I want you to kind of. Oh my gosh, I remember that paleo phase. (laughs) Just do fruits and vegetables and meats for, I want you to eat as a hunter gatherer for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then one at a time, add something back just so we can identify what is causing you to have this pain. So that's what I did. And I was like, okay, I can take two weeks of not eating something. Sure. 
I can not drink for two weeks. If he had gone into that and said, for the rest of your life, I just want you to eat fruits, vegetables, and meats, and that's it. I would come home and make brownies. Like it would just not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'd eat the entire pan. And I haven't had a brownie in months, right? And I'm fine with that until I try to figure out when the last time I was, I had a brownie. Now I'm like, I know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm all like, when was the last time I had a brownie? Where can I get vegan brownies in San Diego? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's kind of one of those things. Like you can't you can't say because of how my my brain works. Like I have chocolate in the house all the time. I've had a bag of candy of chocolate covered caramels. Oh my God, we don't. And I am on my period and I ate all the ice cream when I was PMSing and I needed ice cream last night. We didn't have any. Yeah. So I have candy like Godiva's chocolate with caramel inside in my underwear drawer for probably, I had forgotten it was there. So it's probably been there like a year. Is it in your underwear drawer because your daughter might steal it if it's not? No, it's just in there. So I don't fucking sit down and eat the entire bag. Oh, but I've gone in there. It's in my bra drawer. So I go in there and I opened it up and was like, hey, there's a bag. Oh, cool. And it's like, it's a comfort thing just for it to be there. So if I'm really, really, really just, I can go have it. But do I do it? I can't have it in the house. Uh, And a lot of people, most people are like that. If I didn't have that bag in my drawer, I would go to the grocery store and buy two and finish them. Yeah. Like like, I can't have it in the house. So last night, because I didn't have it in the house, I did not go out and get ice cream. I'm I'm too lazy. Yeah. So I can't, I'm, I'm good with it as long as it, as long as it's around, if it's around so that I can have it. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't need to have it, but if it's not around or you're telling me I can't I have, it, have it, <laughs> yeah. then it's like, what do you mean I can't? Yes, I can. I need to have it. So yeah. So yeah, I think the tactic of this tastes like meat, you're not missing out on something. It, it backfires for me. Okay. I think that that's very different. I think that that's very unique. I'm sure there's other folks out there like that, but I think that that's very unique. I think that's Right. I think that's cool. I like that. Now that I'm in a place where I am with it. So let's also t- that experience of us going to the vegan restaurant was six years ago, maybe five years ago. How long have I been vegan? Because like, I was at the beginning of me being vegan. I went vegan and I don't know. September. I want to say it was during our hell year. I want to say it was 2016. It was 20, It was during our hell year. I think it was September 2016. Because I think it was like right around or right after my birthday. I might've had like three cheeseburgers in Virginia and then went vegan after that. Uh, <laughs> sometime in September, I had, I, I had cheeseburgers in Virginia and then yeah. Jersey and I went vegan. Um, I feel so bad because I have had the last burger that you had. I went to that place and I was like, oh, this is the last burger you had. That's such a terrible send off. Well, good. That's good. Maybe that's good so that I didn't miss because I don't miss. So you don't miss them. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm missing anything, which is good. So it's funny that we put that together because I remember like a couple years had gone by and you're like, every time I'm with you, I want a burger and we go someplace and you have a vegan burger and I have a burger and you're like, I don't know why I associate you with burgers so much. It's because I had my last burgers in with me. Yeah. Yeah. So I also had one without you. I went to the bar by myself and sat at the bar and ate a burger. So I knew I was going to go. Right. <laughs> yes. But you did that. You were at my house. You went to the bar across the street from. Yes, ma'am. I sure complex. I walked right across the street. That's why I went to the bar by myself. Cause like you were at work and I was like, I don't think I drank alcohol either. I just sat down and ate a burger. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and I don't miss it. So what, what was I? Oh yeah. The whole reason I was even bringing that up was that was, I think that was September of 2016. So we are in July of 2020. So that is six years almost in, in, we're in July, 2022. What did I just say? You said 2020. Yeah. I keep doing that. It's been 2020 for a long time in my head. It is 2022. It's a, it's a trauma point. We're all kind of stuck. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that, right. Like you guys understand that I, I was right when I said six years at, <laughs> because I was basing it off of the right year that I was in. I just said 2020. 
um, which makes the six years part sound wrong, but it's right. I've been vegan for almost six years. So this September, so this happened six years ago almost. And so now we're in a completely different place. And like, I've had a lot more experience being vegan around people who aren't. I can, I'm, I'm at the point where I cannot live with somebody who's not, well, that's not entirely true. My girlfriend's not vegan, but she respects the household. She'll bring ranch in here once in a while, but she doesn't bring meat in the house, which I really appreciate. That's just where I draw the line. Eat meat when you want, but in outside, but not, please don't bring it inside. That's my boundary. I'm allowed to set that boundary. No meat in my house. I was trying to defend myself. I was trying to sound better about it because this is being recorded and it's for other people to hear, but that is, that is a boundary that I set. I don't want it in my house and that's okay to say. And that's okay to say. I don't want meat in my house. There you go. So, Um, and I don't, well, I find that you do it. I mean, we even start our podcast saying, grab your weed, grab your wine. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally fine, but I don't want it in my house. Yeah. I typically, I try not to leave it in your house either, but what, but I can't, it's hard to find a place to leave it outside. So I typically like wrap it up and put it in a bag. So you try not to, so it doesn't smell. Um, yeah, as long as I don't smell it. I don't smoke it in your house for sure. No, I hardly, yeah. I mean, I'll smoke on your porch and you can smell it. So I'm like, all right. (laughs) So I try to switch porches. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway. I think we talked extensively about veganism. We talked a little bit about yoga. What should we do? Circle back to yoga a little bit? Yeah. Uh, all of this to say you went through this year of big changes and big transformations. Yeah. And, and it really started with the awareness that you were getting from yoga and your teacher training. And because you had been doing yoga for years, you'd been practicing. Yeah. And then you went into teacher training to make that your your career aspiration. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I guess I did want to do it for with my life forever. And that like that be the only thing that I do. When I signed up for the training, I was teaching at a school with kids that have autism, which is what I went to college for. So I had a career. I had a job. I was pretty safe, too. And Alex died. Grandma died. Fucking a few more people died. And in August of 2016, I started my teacher training. So that was, that was our year of trauma. (laughs) And I started this teacher training. I changed my whole, so yeah, anyway, I radically changed a lot of things. And where was I going with this? Why did I start this? I'm asking you. And I don't have an answer. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so I, because of a career. So you had a career. Oh, that's right. You, that's were, right. you were, you loved teaching with the autistic kids also. Right. That's then you had I mean. a, you had a change into a different environment and a different student. That's why I started talking about this. Thank you. So I, I worked at the school and, and all, and our trauma year happened while I was working there. So I was scheduled to start my teacher training in August of that year when we had, I think it was even during our, our summer break, because I worked at a special school. We didn't have the whole two months off. We had a certain time. We had a begin a stretch at the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm sorry, a stretch at the beginning of the summer and a stretch at the end of the summer, like two weeks each, I think ish our, as our summer vacation. So I think that that training fell on our break, like the immersion part, because we did it like a week or two immersion. And then we had many weekends that followed that were like Friday, Saturday, Sunday to complete a 200 hour training. So after, sorry, I just had a few thoughts at once and I need to remember to tell you something. So I'm just trying to clock that thought. (laughs) When I took my teacher training, when I signed up for it, I also happened to get moved into a different classroom with a different boss and different staff. And I have to say that the boss and the staff were great in that classroom. There were a lot of rumors around that school that it was like where good teachers go to die. And (laughs) kind of was, I mean, (laughs) everybody quit after working in that classroom. And those of us who had seen people go in that classroom and leave thought it was we had the wrong perspective. Okay. Let me just say that. And it was really just there. It takes a very specific, special person to work with that population at that age. 
everybody says it takes a special person to work with that population in general. And yeah, sure it does, but it takes an extra special person (laughs) to young, 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 like I'm talking five to eight. So young, these kids that are not on the spectrum have a ton of energy and a ton of distraction and a ton. It's so hard just with general population kids. So when we're talking about, oh, no. well, you have one. <laughs> I have you one. Have one. You have I've one. always said, I don't understand how teachers do it with 20 of them. I know exactly right. You have one and it's madness. And <laughs> it, it is hard. It's a lot. It's, hard. it's so hard. So like, okay, I had adults and I had a 21 year old student and me and my 21 year old, oh, we were like connected. We were like two peas in a pod. I loved him. He loved me. We had such a great rapport, but that is why we had to separate is because he was, we were done. Our work was done. He did great with me. He needed to generalize. He needed to do great with everybody else too. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. So it wasn't a dependency thing where he was good because of you. Exactly. To be able to develop. Also, let me just mention, I don't credit myself with his ability to do like it. It was a combination of things. It's not just all me, but why, why he was great. So yeah, anyway, I was put in this classroom that was really difficult for me. And my particular student was difficult for me. And the, you know what? The student and the parent, I'll just be honest. The parent gave me a lot of problems, blamed me for a lot of things that the kid was doing behaviorally. Meanwhile, the child had ringworm and he was nonverbal. So he, there was definitely something else going on it could have been the ringworm like maybe the ringworm was bothering him and he couldn't verbalize it and there were there was other stuff like you could tell he was in pain or like itchy or whatever it was you know and he couldn't say it and people kept stopping him from scratching his head and like that drove him nuts and then you would like throw a fucking ipad in his face to try to get him to communicate and he would slap it i mean if i were him i would have slapped it too like So it became very difficult and frustrating being blamed for everything and also not getting anywhere. And I had a lot of support from the teachers. So I was constantly switching students. I was constantly able to get a break. Like that was wonderful, but I needed to switch classrooms and I wasn't getting that support. I couldn't be with, I couldn't be in this room. I couldn't be with this student or really any of them because as I was getting breaks, we would switch students. (laughs) So it wasn't like a break break. It was another student. And I realized that Yeah, my student was a bit excessive. They put me with one of the really hard kids. Don't get me wrong. Like, and and I loved him also. I don't mean to talk shit about the student. I don't, that's not what I mean. It's just that was such, I say all this to say that that was such a hard, difficult experience for me. And that age group was not for me. And I was not getting the support from the higher ups that had the ability to move me into a place where I would do better, where I would better serve the population. And I was not going to leave this profession when I signed up for my yoga teacher training. But when I was in this position and I wasn't getting the support I needed from up top, I did decide that I was going to leave that job before my teacher training and do yoga for my career because we had just gone through that period of death. And then I was going through this hard period at work. And, um, it was a lot and, and yoga really helped me through. And so that's what made me decide to take it on. Can I ask you a question? I know we've talked, we, we've talked about it a couple of times in the past about the idea of you doing yoga with kids with autism. Have you thought any more about exploring that? Like, is that to mix your two passions? Because you did really like working with the older kid population. I mean, and I totally get why not wanting to work with elementary school age children because they suck. (laughs) I I love my daughter so much. Really, really do. But younger kids are hard. So would you consider doing it with like autistic adults or adolescents? Or are you just not there yet? I don't think I'm there yet. And if I were to consider that, I, I 
right now my thoughts are leaning towards probably more adults because I actually have tried that. I did go back to the school that I worked for after I left. We left on good terms. I did absolutely love that school and that organization. It was undergoing a lot of changes at the time. So I was struggling with that part of it, but I did leave on good terms. So once I got my yoga teacher training, everyone was, everyone there, everyone that I worked with, I'm still, I, well, I'm not in, like very close in touch with them, but I'm still in close. I, I'm, still, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm still somewhat in touch with some of them on, you know, through social media. And anyway, when I first graduated, I did go to the school and with the older kids and I did try to do some yoga classes. We, at the, we wound up just not doing it because I was trying to do it with this one class specifically and it was so cute and they were so sweet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I guess I would now that I'm thinking about it, but with the older, older population and I hate to say it, but specifics too, because when we did this and I was trying to put them in a physical position, this was a school that had a lot of behavioral issues. The kids had a lot of behavioral issues, right? So, and there was a lot of physical violence when these kids had some of their behavior. To deal with a lot of these behaviors, we had certain protocols and we were one of the few institutions that still used mechanical restraints and some physical restraints. So we would have some systems put in place and they're not abusive. Please don't get upset. People out there listening, we were keeping them safe. From the, a lot of them were their violent behavior was for themselves as well. So we had to restrain them from hurting themselves. And I stand by that. So all that to say that we would put them in a position sometimes. And one of our students positions was he had to lie down, lie face down on the mat and put his hands behind his back. That was like his crisis mode. And that was the position he would get into to calm down when he was having one of these behaviors. So when I was teaching them yoga, I had them on all fours at one point. And so when we were trying to physically flip him over and get him to understand to go on all fours, because they have a little bit of a hard time imitating some of them. He, he laid down on his stomach and he put his hands behind his back as if he was about to go into restraints because that's what he associated that position with. So it broke my heart <laughs> to see that happen. And I didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know how to move forward. I didn't know how to present that. But one of my fellow yoga teachers also was a student teacher, might still be. She did have like a private client that she would do yoga with. I also, that wonderful, amazing student that I told you about, I was very close with him and his mom and his mom had signed him up for gymnastics. So I, I took him, I worked with him with that. So yeah, we had, that was a long winded answer, but there's my answer. Right. Okay. So because also you're now across the country from that organization. So yes. you would have to, if you went in that route, you would not be with that organization and that company you'd be in school, you'd be in California and reestablishing and probably I would have to come. find, uh, yes, exactly what you're saying. Like I would have to reestablish out here. So yeah, you'd have to do all that kind of, I, I was just curious if that was still something that you were open to exploring as something is, you might want to go into. It is something that but I'm it is kind of a longer term kind of thing. Well, yeah. exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go with that is it is something that I'm open to. I have specific goals that I am reaching for that are important to me. Yeah, the ones that are on your intention board for this year. Well, that also, but I broke down one of, you know, my rebuilding, my yoga brand is on that board and I had to break that down into steps as well. So that starts with finding corporate and private clients. That's number one on that list. There's five things on on my list that are reachable and attainable. And that is like big picture. And it's only five things, which is pretty cool because the fifth thing is pretty big and, and I can, I can see it and I broke it down and I start small and I can see it. It's cool. It's a cool, I'm enjoying it. So uh, anyway, it starts with finding corporate and private clients so that I can get my name out there. And once I get my name out there in corporate and private clients, then I can start teaching workshops 
around the city and around the state and around the county and around the country. And then I would like to Uh from there develop a teacher mentor program because I am of the belief that the current teacher training standards are low, (laughs) subpar. (laughs) They, I do think that 200 hour trainings is not enough. I don't. Right. So a lot of teachers come out of that feeling inspired, but not fully equipped. Um, So I would like to be of service there. So I would love to start a teacher mentor program. And then from there, I would love to teach workshops around the world for students and for teachers. You know, I'd love to teach teacher workshops. Even before that teacher mentor program, I'd like to teach teacher workshops. But all of this requires getting my name out there. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing here is putting my name out there. Right now, that's what I'm working on. I made flyers that I'm going to put around town. So it just, it starts small. I got to start my community and then move on out. And I'm, I'm excited again. I'm excited about it because I really am super passionate and I love it. I am so happy to hear that because two years ago when the world was shut down and things were really difficult and you were working with the studio and as like an office manager type of position that had really kind of beaten a lot of the enjoyment of yoga out of you for a while where you were considering not teaching anymore. You know, what's so fucking funny is that people said in the beginning, cause I graduated teacher training and I fucking hit the ground running. I went, boom, let's go. And I did it for years. And I was like, just, Oh, I was an object in motion, staying in motion. And people told me in the beginning, like my teacher, a bunch of my teachers and a bunch of my older friends and my more experienced friends. And they were like, I'm worried about you burning yourself out. And I was like, no, look at me. I got all this energy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Da, 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 da. Like, and, I, and I'm doing great. And I'm still keeping up with my practice. And I was, I did. I mm-hmm. was doing awesome. And then out here, I was at uh, this opportunity to manage the studio came up. And I took it because of financial reasons. And I can't take anything for financial reasons only. Like that was a huge mistake. I I can't take anything in the yoga world for financial reasons. I think that's true with anything that you're passionate about. And yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about that. One of my favorite quotes from a movie is in Hope Floats when Harry Connick Jr. takes Sandra Bullock to the house that he's building. And she's like, what are you doing? You could be doing such big things. Look at this work that you're doing. And he's, and he says, you're talking about the American dream, taking something that you love and twisting it to try to make money at it till you don't, you don't remember what you started off loving. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel that with like, you're trying to capitalize on yoga or you're trying to capitalize on you know, your interest in cap in cannabis and all of these different things where you're interested and you have these passions for it and you're trying to find a way to make money at it to be able to survive. survive. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's the the reality is reality. we need to capitalize on what we're good at so that we can we can be able to make it to pay our bills and you know live in this world. But also, and like I have taken the exact opposite approach where I got an accounting degree because I was not at all passionate about it. I had no concern whatsoever that I would stop loving it because I never loved it to begin with. I was like, this is something that's easy and I can do it and I can make money at it. And I'll spend the rest of my day doing the things that I love. Like I was like, you need eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work. I have eight hours of free time a day to do all the things that I love. That sounds super balanced. (laughs) It does. It sounded so good, but you don't work eight hours a day. No, you certainly don't. You work like 12 hours a day. And (laughs) you certainly do. (laughs) And like, and then there's commuting and there's the household stuff that you got to do. And there's like all these other things that take that time. So I was like, where was my, my eight hours of free time to do the things I love became two hours of, I just need to stop and not owe anybody anything. (laughs) Right. Like it's just exactly. And that is the whole reason why I, 
I cannot do it. I cannot. I am a horrible version of myself if I, if I live that way. And And I hate myself and I don't have any good relationships and like, I'm just, I'm just a horrible version of myself. So for me, I, I couldn't even find a way to make that work a lot of, and most people do. I mean, and most people, I mean, we have to, it's out of need, but it does, it does take away from, well, all those things that I love to do that I don't, if I, I can't make money at it. So what am I going to like? Yeah. So, so you're not spending that time on it because it's not a, you have to do, and then you kind of neglect it. Right. And so for me, it's like become this whole thing where I've had to figure out how to balance it because it is what I love and it is how I make my money. And, and I also have to be careful about not undervalue under what's the, what am I looking for? How do you say that? undervaluing, undervaluing myself. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? How do you say it? You because said it I'm, seven times. Okay. <laughs> just, so it is, it is a, it's a unique position to put myself in at least. Well, not nowadays. I feel like younger people, that's how you make money. You're an entrepreneur. I don't really consider myself an entrepreneur. I don't like really using that word. Cause it's so corporate sounding. Well, even though it's not anymore, it's not anymore. It's so it, it almost sounds irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> sounds irresponsible to say I'm an entrepreneur. Well, because so many kids say it now. And like, I mean, I mean, but that really is the only way to make money is to open up and own your own business because it's different now. You it's harder, nearly impossible to work your way up in a business nowadays and become like a, it used to be like you put in a certain amount of time, you become the CEO of business. Well, you have to, you have to work it out. So the first time I met with my VP, actually, I had met with her after she had spoke on a panel and her career path had been, she had worked in accounting. Then she had worked, she had gone to school for a master's degree in IT and she worked in IT for a while and she's a VP in customer experience. And I, at the time, was going to school for my master's in IT. I, I stopped that. I've, I've tried my <laughs> master's degree three different times. I'm so close to finishing. COVID knocked me out. But I've because I've changed what I'm going for so many different times and because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. But when I sat with her, she drew like this diagram, like the, the circle one. I think it's called a Venn diagram where the circles kind of overlap. I think so. So it's like she drew the circle and she was like, these are the things that you're good at. These are the things that you like to do. And then the the third circle are the things where there's a company need for it. So she was like, the things that you are good at and that you like to do, that's a hobby. The things that you're good at and there's a company need for, but you don't necessarily like to do, that's a chore. And then there's the things that you that you like to do. And there's company need for, but if you're not very good at it, you're not going to be able to do it. Like we just, she just put a big X through that. Cause if you're not good at it, you're going to get fired whether you like it or not. Right. Like I like to paint, but, and there might be, there's a need for art in the world, but I'm not good at it. I'm never going to be able to make money on it. Mm -hmm. So she was like finding that sweet spot right there in the middle where you have something that you like to do. You're good at it. And there's a company need. That's your sweet spot. And that is where you can capitalize and really be able to grow. And six months later, I was working for her part of the organization. And here we are three or four years later. And I have found that sweet spot. But it took me a few years of doing different things on that team to find that sweet spot where now we're looking at me growing. And that is, you have to have all of those circumstances. Like, you can do it. You can grow in a company, but it takes circumstances of finding finding that sweet spot of what you like to do and what you're good at. And there's a corporate need for it. And having the leadership that's willing to foster that and help you to find that place. And that's why I've only been able to find it in the last year is because I had a manager change to help me to be able to do that, to be able to see here's a skill set and, or here's something that she has a skill set that's unique. Maybe she can help. And I've been able to capitalize on carving out my, 
a, a niche for myself that no one else in my organization is doing or has that same enjoyment and skill set for. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you can be successful in corporate America. You can grow, but it, it it is a like everything has to align. Yeah, I do think that it's okay. So it's possible still, but it's definitely different. Yeah. It's not as much of a like it used to be like that was like kind of the general path. And that's mm-hmm. just not anymore. It's more of what you're saying. Everything has to align. And so I've noticed a lot that, you know, the real way to make like real like life changing money is to start your own business. And, you know, unless you're like a little unique patient little thing like you <laughs> and you can build it up. It just it, that takes an incredible amount of patience. So does starting a business. It's Yeah. So does starting a business. Yeah. There, now you have to be the CEO of your business and it requires the um, so you can teach yoga and you can be very, very successful at it. Or you can just be that teacher who goes to the gym and teaches your two classes a week and then you go home and you don't make, you're not very successful. You have to be enterprising. Yeah. And so like not only, yeah. And that's so very surface level for me and that's just not enough for me anymore. That's what I've pretty much been doing for the last couple of years while I kind of figure out where my passions still are. And you know what? I had to learn a lot too. So it really did have to like, I do feel like I had to stop and I had to come back because, oh yeah, we were talking about this. We were talking about how I managed the studio and I was getting into it for just the money. Right. So mm-hmm. because I'd already managed the studio before and I realized that I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. I knew that it wasn't for me. So I kind of decided that I didn't want to do that again. And then I was in California and I had really no other leads and I was in a sticky spot and I was worried and I got offered this yoga studio manager position and I I was good at it anyway. So I did it. I took it and I did it. And I got to say that I did really well, but I was getting burnt out. I was getting burnt out because I was still Mm -hmm. teaching. And it was a chore. It was the thing that you were good at and there was a need for it, but But you didn't didn't like it. So it was a chore. Mm -hmm. And it was awful. It was awful to do that chore. And I was, and I was also very bad at delegating. That was Mm -hmm. another thing. I'm not a good, I wasn't a very good delegator because I didn't know how I, I didn't have the opportunities to, so I'm, I want to really want to build my own team. Yeah. Successful people can't do everything. Successful people find people who are good at doing everything. Yes. All of the things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, that's where a lot of like what's held me back from kind of rebuilding because Okay, I was successful on the East Coast. My income was good. I was teaching, you know, like I said, 20-ish classes a week. And that that was generating the perfect amount of income that I needed to live and survive at the time and save a little bit of money. I then moved to the West Coast and and I nobody knows who I am. You know, I take this job and it's just not enjoyable anymore. So the world shuts down and I get a chance to cut and the studio shuts down that I was managing. So I didn't even have to do that anymore. (laughs) And it was funny, like a day or two before everything shut down, I was on the phone with you sitting in the office at the studio, just kind of like I had so much to do and I was sitting there by myself and I was still teaching 20 classes a week or so, maybe a little bit less, maybe like 15 or so. Because we had like a, a problem with teachers showing up for their classes. Oh, it's just such a frustrating industry <laughs> because people don't show up. Same thing with the cannabis industry. Like people don't show up and it's it makes it harder for those of us who really do work and put the work in and like put the time in because, you know, as a yoga teacher, people, my clients are flaky as fuck. And I think it's because yoga teachers and fit, the fitness industry is flaky and people don't always show up and you're always getting, uh, it's just so difficult. So anyway, I, I was working myself to the bone and I did in fact get burnt mm-hmm. out. Anyway, I needed a break. So I took a break from that. The world shut down at the perfect time. Yeah. The world kind of gave you a break. So yeah. we're, we're just gonna blame coronavirus on you because the world had cool. to shut down to get, get you to Right. Take a I, break. Another thing that I need. Yeah, right we're just going to blame the entire pandemic on. I, you know, I love to blame myself for everything. So that's perfect. The universe was trying to move out of the way 
so that Missy could take a break and reset and because <laughs> the world revolves around you. Well, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> But now you have rediscovered your love for it and the growth and you're reprioritizing growing your business and and enterprising and you've recommitted to your goals and broken those down into smaller steps so that you can do like you did with the podcast where you could be like, okay, so here's the thing. Mm. So in six months from now, you can be like, ha, that's hilarious that that was what I wanted to do. (laughs) And look how far I've come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I was having my hands like I I was dipping my hands in too many buckets. I did that thing. You know, because for a while there, I was like, well, what if I want to move up at the job that I'm at now? And you know what? I don't because that would become a full-time job that would take away all of the time that I have to teach and work towards that goal. And that's what I want to be doing. I don't want to be, I do not. You want to be working on your yoga business, not on not somebody else's business, the gym's yoga business, not on somebody else's studio. You want to be working. Yeah. Or even somebody else's store, like the dispensary. I hope nobody hears this till after I'm done working there. (laughs) But like, no offense. I I want, I am. Yeah. I I want want to work in retail for the rest of your life. I really don't. I don't want to mat. I don't want to be a manager at a retail store because that's not, I can do it. I'm sure. And I see a lot of, but that's not where my love is in the world that's not where my service is all right and that's okay yeah all of the in order to make the world turn we need all of the people in doing and all of the people with all of their skills doing their thing like we've Mm -hmm. talked about before like everybody has something special that they're good at that they bring to the table and This is your, and you shouldn't apologize for just being like, this is the thing that I'm good at, that I enjoy doing. This is my role in how society continues to turn. We need all of the people on all of the levels. You need the people like me who want to work for corporate and want to grow and find their niche area of helping an organization. And that is my place in the world. And that is okay. Mm -hmm. Just like it's okay for you to say that's not your what you want to do, what you your place and your role and how we make this world work is you are an enterprising yoga teacher who wants to bring health and fitness and awareness to young teachers and to people who are trying to better their and not young as an age, but like newbie teachers Mm -hmm. and into uh, and to people who are like trying to find their their flow and where are they comfortable and how can we get healthier in yoga and how do you get that awareness so that when you have your shoulder pain, here's what you can do to compensate for that and grow for it without hurting another part of you in the yes. process. Yes. And so there's two aspects to that. There's the physical aspect to that, the literal physical things that you could do. There's also like the mental things too. And there's also a component of this that I really feel important to share. And I really, I'm really feeling super called. One of the biggest reasons I want to teach other teachers or I want to mentor other teachers or even just talk to other teachers is what I've noticed in the yoga world. And I do this in every aspect of my life. And it become, it it totally, I've talked about this before, I think on here, where it it comes for me from my, my mommy and daddy issue, where I (laughs) take like my teachers, a lot of the people that are the teachers in my life, I mean, like school teachers, counselors included, but also yoga teachers, where I take them and what they say, and as all literal 100% truth. And I take it on as my own truth. And the fact of the matter is that person is a human. So what I feel really important to share is I've learned along the way, not every teacher is 100% aligned with you. And not every teacher, not any teacher is 100% correct on everything. And there's a million ways to do yoga. And there's a lot, there's so many like, when I got into my teacher training, when I got out of it, I was, I learned a lot about anatomy and posture and alignment, and I was incredibly rigid. 
in my body and in life, <laughs> right? Because when you embody something, you become it. So I was, I was incredibly rigid and I was stubborn and stuck on everything that my, my teacher had taught me about anatomy and posture and movement and how to properly move this machine. Why are you hiding? Because I don't want to make any facial expression that may or may not derail oh. your thought process. Oh, <laughs> okay. Thank you. So go ahead. Go back to hiding. <laughs> so that's cute and funny. And then with my teacher, you know, I really thought that everything that my teacher said was the way to do it. And there was like, you know, that your body, your body's a machine and it's supposed to move in a specific way. And that everybody is different and we each have different like imbalances, but also, there were such strong opinions about different ways of practicing that it almost was like this other way is wrong and there's no room for it and nobody should be doing it. And that's not fair. I've learned that there are things that like my teacher would say never do and that I'm I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it now because I've opened up. I do. I do remember that because I remember specifically like we had issues because I would try to take one of your classes and I was like, but this is this in particular, this particular thing for me is painful and not enjoyable. And I, I remember like child's pose in particular. And like we like almost you were like, everybody likes child's pose. It's the best pose. I don't even understand why it's an issue for you. Like, what is your problem with it? And I was like, I don't want to spend that much time in child's pose. It's suffocating for me. And it was something like, you were like, no, this is restorative. And this is a really good pose for you. And da, da, da. and you ha and adjust this way at like, it, there was such rigidity. And then when you started to open up more to, all right, we need to like accommodate for you. It's suffocating for me because to do it in this very specific way, my boobs are in my freaking face. I'm suffocating on my boobs. <laughs> like it was so, it was so confining. And I was like, I, I can't breathe like this. And so it was like, all right, well, this is what we need to do. We need to open your knees up a little bit to give you a little bit more space when you settle into this, because it should be restorative. And you were able to help me adjust, but it was after you started working in a gym and you started to see and take other people's classes that weren't under that same, that we were able to more. It was more of, I had to change my language because I was trying to tell you the same thing, like try to tell you the same stuff, but I didn't, my language, I didn't have enough language because. Right. And I'm your sister. You just didn't have the patience with me. I certainly didn't. And because I also felt like that you pushed back on everything I said, because and that goes back to like the vegan thing, too. Like when you said, OK, but I'm still hungry. So when I when you say stuff to me like that, I, well, then when you said stuff to me, then because I don't take it that way now as much. I'm sure there's some times, but um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sound like I'm perfect. I don't, I don't want anybody to think that I'm perfect. And like, no, there was definitely super. like a, I, I want to be supportive of you. So here's what I'm trying to do to show my support for you. So, but when you would, when I, I was in that headspace at the time that it was like, when mm -hmm. you said, this doesn't feel good for me, you were telling me that I was teaching it wrong or something, you know, right. like, and I felt like a bad teacher then. And I was like, well, she's just being a bitch because she's not being supportive. And meanwhile, right. you're trying Instead, to be supportive. I'm like, well, hold on, because if you like you might have clients who are who have that that'll come to you in a different way or say, you know, like that's that's something that's a real life well, example. You're going to have that's people. the crazy part is that that was the hardest part for me is was because you were the only you're still to this day, I love you, but you're still the only person that I've ever heard complain about child's pose, including people with big titties. I've never heard anybody else complain about it or in that, in that way, knees and hips all the time. 
by the way, if you know what child's pose is and your knees and your hips bother you in child's pose, you can lift your hips higher. You don't have to bring your hips all the way down to your heels. Also, you can just not do child's pose. That's another thing. So that I didn't, that I definitely offered early in my teaching career, but I don't think I meant it. So when I said the words, people didn't listen because you could tell I didn't believe that child's pose didn't hurt anybody or didn't bother anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it didn't bother me. So I don't know. I had, I definitely think that this, that all I needed to teach a lot of classes, a lot of bodies and take a lot of classes. Yeah. You just need more experience. So uh, yeah, I need yeah. a lot more experience. Now, mind you, I have, this is where I sound a little bit snobby and I'm sorry, but I have now gone back to teach, to taking other classes outside of like the people that were trained in the same way as me or by the same teacher as me. And I've gotten hurt every time. Yeah, yeah I, I have definitely it's not good. I, there's <clears throat> transitions and I'm not blaming the teachers. Let me just say this. Also, this is no teacher's fault that I've gotten hurt. It's the trainings out there are not equipped for some of these huge transitions that you're trying to teach people in yoga classes, because there is not enough anatomy, education, and knowledge yeah. about preparation. So like, I, I am definitely a- taking classes, particularly in gym settings, because I have said, I will go to a yoga studio, but I won't go back to a gym to take a yoga class because there are those transitions where it's like, yeah, yoga shouldn't be aerobic. Like it shouldn't be like, all right, we're moving. And now we're moving. What? It's not a circus act. Exactly. It shouldn't be right. And I always felt like I was in this high paced, high intensity, like gotta move fast sort of situation. And I was like, this is yeah, that can that's such a turnoff. And then when I went to a yoga studio and it was like, here's the calming music and the lights are down low and we're going to transition and we're going to feel our way through this. I was like, oh, I do really enjoy this. And so, so, and so I the- think you're I, I think you're right. There's different styles and different mm-hmm. different exactly. different strokes for different folks. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like- that's exactly what I was about to say. Like, that's another thing that you found <clears throat> out is you also found your speed because don't get me wrong. I teach power yoga classes, but I also teach restorative, but I also teach in the middle and of those, you know, and I teach, I, I teach a little bit of everything. Now I used to teach like primarily hardcore <laughs> movement, but now I, I mix it up quite a bit because of the variety. Now, and let me also mention that in a, and this is important, because specifically yin classes were classes I would stay away from and classes that I were against. I wouldn't teach because my yoga teacher was against them. Also, I took, I take, I will take a yin class now and I will also teach it. There are good reasons why my teacher is against it and why it, it is not good for necessarily everybody or every situation. Like that's, The thing is, for me, is I believe that yin should be taken after much preparation, much warm up. So yin yoga is holding long stretches for a long period of uh, holding big stretches for a long period of time. And it's more passive stretching. I am not a big believer in passive stretching. So yin yoga does not look as passive for me as it does for a lot of people. So I often spend a lot less time in these poses. Some of them I do get pretty passive in like pigeon. I do get passive in pigeon. There are some poses that I do feel good being passive in, but I'm not a huge believer in that. I'm more believer in movement to create openings. So it's more of tapping into your strength to build up pliability. I prefer to say that word over flexibility, because when people think about flexibility, they think about crazy stuff, like putting your head, like putting your foot or leg behind your head or like stupid stuff like that, which sorry, I shouldn't say stupid stuff like that. Silly stuff like that. <laughs> Cause it's not important to be able, what's, where's the functionality there, right? You, who cares if you put your foot or leg behind your head? That's, that does not matter to me. To me, it's like, can I duck 
underneath something if I get stuck somewhere, can I crouch down and crawl underneath something? Can I take a large step to step over something? You know, it's not about, can I put my like fold forward and put my head to my knees with straight legs? Like, no, it's how, how is that functional? So I use the stretch, the ability, the pliability in my hamstring to take long strides to, you know, to be able to hop over something or or something like that. And, you know, it, there's this kind of, there's this kind of glamorous look to big yoga, big expressions of yoga poses. And that is what I'm against. It's not necessarily like, you don't want someone who's going to show who's there to show off that they're, it's not a show show off, but show off if you want to, but please don't hurt yourself. Don't push yourself further than you need to go. I don't really care if you show off, (laughs) whatever. That's what you're working through, but, but it's more like, please don't hurt yourself. So if you are not capable of doing something, don't do it. But if you are trying and you're practicing, practice the things that you can, to get to it, ask the teacher, you know, for help also, like, how can I get closer to my goal where I'm, where I'm reaching for, you know, so it's just like Instagram for a long time was just big expressions of poses and pictures and not really showing all the work that it took to get there. So a lot of people were just trying to get into these poses without doing the work that it requires to get there. Now there's videos. So there's a lot less of that. I mean, on my feed, I don't know. I unfollowed a lot of yoga pages. because I was just like, Ew, this is too much. That, that is too much. The body image thing. It just, it's not important to me. The strength is what's important to me. And so I say all that to say, I, I used to teach primarily strengthening only classes, you know, but now that I have this open mindset, more open mindset, I, I teach more, I'll teach a variety of things. I'll teach in different ways. I do think that my training was the best physically and that that format is the number one yoga format out there, but I will teach other formats. However, you will see (laughs) a lot of that, that training in there. I put a lot of my training into other formats because you can, and it's just really intelligent, great movement patterns. And I'm a super nerd for, for that. I love good movement patterns and like how the body, how the body moves, how the different body parts move and work together. It's just super cool. So I love that. And I also say all that to say that I started this by saying like my, my teacher was super against yin. So for a long time, I was like, I'm against yin. But then I found out that my yoga teacher had never taken a yin class. And I was like, hold on. How do you have such an opinion about something that you've never done. And so that turned me completely like up until that moment, I believed everything she said and agreed with her 100%. And then she said that she never took a class. And I was like, what? And then you be critical of something you've never done. So there's an element of it that I don't think she's getting and she might not agree with it either because she does have very strong opinions and I respect it. I respect her and her opinions for sure. But there's a freedom in these in these yin classes to me, the way I teach it and the way I practice it. The point is not can I stay in these poses as long as the teacher wants me or as the song wants me to or as long as I as my fucking ego wants me to. It's more so can I let go? And then can I honor my body and what it's telling me? So if I am in excruciating pain, my body's telling me to get out of that pose, out of that position. So I don't do it. There's freedom there. Even if the teacher says to do it and says to stay there the whole time, I don't have to. That's not the point. That's not the goal. The goal is, can I breathe through it? Can I breathe through discomfort? Can I honor what my body is telling me and honor myself and do what's best for me and breathe through that regardless what anybody else is doing. 
So is it kind of like, like you see me, I'm stretching my neck right now. My neck hurts. Mm-hmm. So is it kind of like, well, yes, when I pull my neck this way, it absolutely hurts, but can I pull it just enough to like loosen it up so that when I go back this way, I'm not as stiff. Is that kind of what the yin stretching is? Yin? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. Weirdest way to ask that question. I love you. You're so funny. No. Well, because I'm trying to make it relatable to somebody who's like, well, what is the difference between my body hurts, get out of it? And can I, can I push through it? Okay. That appropriate. And when it's not like, how do I listen to my body the right way? Right. Okay. Almost every adult that I've ever met has had neck pain at some point. So that's why I was like, that is a horse of a, oh my God, that is it. That's why I was trying to make it relatable. The neck thing is its own conversation. (laughs) It's own fucking podcast. Probably we've already been recording for over two hours. (laughs) Yeah. But to answer that question, we'll get, uh, me, we'll record another episode about this where I can tell, talk to people about the neck. Uh, really just answering the question of like, how, yeah, what is the difference between honoring your body and, and pushing it? Because okay. even, because with any kind of physical activity, even if I'm lifting weights, you know, there's a point of on rep seven, it hurts. Yes. Do I, am I honoring my body Stop. by stopping or am I <laughs> yeah. honoring my body by finishing out that set? Yeah, no. Okay. So there's a difference between <clears throat> sensation and pain. If you're feeling pain, your body is telling you to stop. So you're honoring your body by stopping. Pain is saying, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. If you're feeling a sensation and it might be discomfort, that is something I would be more inclined to push through and breathe through mostly more than push through is breathe. So the discomfort could be fatigue. It could be heavy. It could be. Mm-hmm. And I it, wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I am and- different from pain. Correct. Yep. Okay. I and I would simple. stop before pain. You know, I would stop before over too much fatigue, you know, like do another two reps or two breaths past starting to feel fatigued. But, you know, you want to be nice to yourself <laughs> is what I think. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think this has been very illuminating and I have enjoyed hearing more about your journey. Um, hopefully our listeners have too. And yes, I hope so. everybody we have on our website, by the time that this airs, a link to Missy's website and you can check out more about her, her yoga teaching philosophy and experience. And I don't know, maybe she's got this videos or... Or... I actually do. I have some videos on YouTube, on my website. Yeah. So check her out. And, yeah. and email me, you know. schedule a private with me if you want. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's always looking to work with people, with her customers and she wants to help and keep it accessible, but also, you know, be help people. Yes, ma'am. I love you. Also. So I love you. <laughs> it's also your business and you need to keep enterprising. And yes, yes, absolutely. I like that yeah. word. I, I just thought of it as we were having this whole conversation, but you need to be more enter- enterprising, I think is better than entrepreneur. I like that too. I like that better as well. Yes. So be enterprising with your business and have value in what you do because what you do has value. So you do need to value, value yourself, yourself so that you can grow because if you don't value yourself, you're not going to be able to grow and expand your reach to help more people. So you're doing a disservice to the masses by not charging your value. Yes. I love you so much. That's it. That's your almost MBA <laughs> sister talking about how to enterprise yourself, how to reframe it. So you don't feel guilty for charging people what you're worth. Yes. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, um, all right. Thank you for listening. Please like subscribe and check out Missy's website. What is your website? Conscious yoga.tv. 
Nice. That's our situation. That's our situation. I love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, people. (laughs) So that's our situation. Thank you for listening and joining us today. Please download and subscribe, like, and comment wherever you listen. Check out our website, sisterlysituationspodcast.com. And email us at sisterlysituationspodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out my lovely sister's yoga website, (laughs) consciousyoga.tv. Thank you. Thank you.